Good morning. Hope you got to enjoy a little sunshine yesterday, and we'll do the same today. Um, this morning, I was struck by the fact that what we're going to talk about is more than a Bible story. This week, I had the opportunity to see the difference that what God has done for us makes in the lives of his children. Uh, Last weekend, I had a visit with Linda, who Dan mentioned went home to be with the Lord Monday evening. Linda had discovered that uh, her, her condition was worsening. It was at the point where she was going to go on hospice. So I was able to get into Eventide and spend a little time with her. And I was blessed by the sense of peace I saw in my sister in Christ. She knew her time was close. She certainly was weary. I looked in her face. I said, Linda, you look like you're at peace. She said, Pastor Jeff, I am. This morning, we are going to see how God speaks peace into any and every situation, and maybe that's one of the reasons that you're here today. Last Sunday was Easter morning. After going through a week of remembering Jesus last night with his disciples, after going through a week of remembering Jesus' passion for us on the cross, after remembering a week where on, on last, a week ago today we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, and our friend Marcia was here. She hadn't been in worship for, for over a year because of the pandemic. And before she got to go home and meet Jesus, she got to spend one Sunday worshiping with her church family. I can't tell you how many people I've heard from since then that said, you know what, Marcia was here last Sunday. And she had a wonderful morning. Well, now Marcia's with Jesus. <laughs> She's having a wonderful morning as we grieve for her, as we grieve for Linda. You guys, this what we're going to do this morning is hear from God's Word speaking into our everyday lives. This is real. This, is ma this matters. And may God have His way with us this morning. I'm reading from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. It, it had been a day of incredible emotions. Stacia talked this morning about the different emotions that teenagers are feeling. Hey, it's not just teenagers that are dealing with emotions right now, but you can imagine that that, that first day when, 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 they, when they began to hear that Jesus had risen from the dead, as he said he would, but it was so hard to get their hearts and heads around that. You know, the women came back excited about seeing Seeing the empty tomb, Mary had had a visit with Jesus himself, and the disciples ran to the tomb, and they saw the evidence. A couple of them on a country walk encountered Jesus, and yet that evening, as we're going to discover, they're gathered together so good. Although they did not yet have the sense of all that had happened, like you're here this morning, they had gathered together. And we're in a place now where Jesus would come and meet them. On that evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, 
Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, through, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, John wrote, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe and that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This morning, we're going to think together, ponder what's going on here as Jesus returns to his friends whose lives have been turned upside down. When Jesus returns again and focuses on a friend who was in the grip of the most dangerous thing in life, doubt. (laughs) How does God meet us when we're in our times of doubt? And lastly, we're going to find ourselves personally drawn in to this story. I thought of Sue and Greg as I read this this last week. I met Sue and Greg a number of years ago. I'd been invited to preach at their church, and I stayed with them. And I got to hear their story, their stories. I don't know your story. You don't know my story completely, although I'm a pastor, so I've probably shared, overshared probably <laughs> my story at times. But maybe your story is, is similar to mine where you had the privilege of being baptized into Christ and nurtured in a home and, and in a church where the gospel had a chance to, to grow and bear root. Maybe you're like me, and for a time in young adulthood, I, how many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you who had a nurtured faith kind of went and kind of checked things out in the world for yourself, and we're glad that Jesus leaves the 99 and comes after you and brings you back? That's kind of my story. Maybe your story is a beautiful redemption story with many hard and dark parts And yet, in the midst of that, Jesus met you, and and you saw Jesus for who he is. That's a wonderful story, too. It can be very faith-building to hear one another's stories. I heard Greg and Sue's story in their home in a beautiful part of Wisconsin. Neither of them had been nurtured in the faith in a way that they had come to understand all that Jesus is for them. Sue sat in in a classroom in a Catholic school And uh, like most kids, did not focus with laser attention on the teacher all the time. But in her moments of daydreaming, often her eyes drifted to a crucifix that was on the wall. Now, you may have opinions about whether a cross should be empty or a cross have Jesus on it. Honestly, a crucifix reminds us of what 
of, of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and, and an empty cross like this reminds us that, 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 that Jesus is alive and ascended, and I'm not going to enter into that argument, but what I'm going to say is Sue said that looking at that crucifix with Jesus on the cross made her think, why? What's behind that story? Why did he do that? What was he feeling? And that pointed her heart towards Jesus. And eventually, God in his mercy would meet her and answer that question as she came to know Jesus as her personal Savior. Greg's story was was a bit different. Greg, although he was a doctor, grew up in a working man's home. And one of the guys that his dad worked with on the job happened to be a believer, a Baptist believer, I don't know why I remember that, but I did. And, and, uh, and he had shared Jesus with Greg's dad. And, and, and at a moment in time, Greg's dad, too, was met by the gospel of Jesus. And he found himself believing. And Greg noticed a change in his dad, and he appreciated the change in his dad. So in the spring... Of, uh, of, of one of his years in college, when often college kids are out enjoying spring like college kids enjoy spring, Greg found himself fascinated with the Gospel of John because his dad had suggested that he read it. He appreciated what was happening in his dad's life, so he did. And when he started reading it, he found himself drawn into the Gospel of John. And through reading the Gospel of John, God opened Greg's eyes the eyes of his heart, and he became to believe in Jesus. I loved hearing their stories. I don't know how you're going to enter into this story today, but God has given us this story this morning for a reason. I don't know if your issue is fear. I don't know if your issue is doubt. I don't know if, if, uh, if, if you have never really taken this story personally. You've kind of observed it from a distance. But I pray God would speak to you this morning as we go through this account of that, of that day of all days as Jesus had risen from the dead after dying for our sins. So the doors are locked because they're afraid. And they have reason to be afraid because their master had just been executed. And they were marked men and women. We know that 10 of the 12 apostles were there, but none of them were heroes as Jesus went to the cross. Jesus said it would happen. He said, they'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, and they did. More than scattered, Peter had that humiliating experience of under the pressure of questions, denying he ever knew Jesus. But God in his mercy had planted enough in their hearts that there was nowhere they would rather be than be together that evening. And it was a good thing that they were together. They got to hear the account of the two who on the road to Emmaus had been met by Jesus. They got to remind each other of their resurrection morning stories. But more than that, they were in a place where Jesus could meet them. And he did. We see this amazing uh, reminder of, of a glorified body. Jesus was not appearing as a ghost. Luke tells us that they touched him. Luke tells us, Jesus says, hey, you got something to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish. This is Jesus. But how did he get in this room with locked doors? Well, he's Jesus in the glorified body, which gives us a glimpse of the future. John tells us in 1 John 3, 
that, that there's a time when we will see him like he is and we will be like him. But more than the question of how Jesus got there is the reason that Jesus came and he came and he said, peace be with you. That was a very common greeting in Jesus' day, but this was more than a greeting. This was a gift. Jesus was not wishing them peace. Jesus was giving them peace. And peace not in the sense of, 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 the, of the troubling circumstances all going away. No, they would, they would persist. Peace not in the sense of the absence of conflict. No, until we're with Jesus, we're going to feel the conflict. But peace is the settled sense that all is well. and God is my friend. I'm going to be okay. God is my friend. Things are good between God and me. And then Jesus showed him his hands where the nails had been driven. And then Jesus pulled aside his robe where the spear had pierced him to verify that he was indeed dead. Why are those wounds so important? Beth read this morning from Isaiah, chapter 40. That book is so full of gifts to the child of God as, as it is a commentary of all that Jesus is and has done for us. In chapter 53, God gave Isaiah this sense of the, of the Messiah in this, ironic, uh, in this ironic way that he would be a suffering servant. The Messiah, the conquering king, would be a suffering servant. In verses 4 through 6, it says this, Surely, they t- surely he, prophesying about Jesus, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we, cons- we considered him stricken, punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peace be with you. And Jesus showed him showed them his wounds. And we understand the significance of those wounds. There's a huge story behind those wounds. And it's a wonderful story. It's the good news. Paul said, if I'm known, about, known for one thing when I'm among you, may it be this, that I preach to you Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you ever notice that during his ministry when Jesus did wonderful things, There were these times when he said, now don't go telling anybody yet. You're thinking, why? This is the best news ever. This guy's awesome. He wasn't awesome just because he could cast out demons and heal the sick and return uh, sight to the blind. He was awesome because he would take upon himself the iniquities of us all. And he would be led away as a sheep to the slaughter. And he would give us his life as a ransom for many. That's you and me. Now, now, those who knew Jesus could go out and share what they knew about him because the good news could be shared for all 
the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world, had done his work. And we know what God's thinking in heaven. He's thinking, well done, my son. Yes! We know what the angels are thinking. John tells us, or excuse me, Peter writes in his first chapter of his letter, that that they wonder, they, they look down with mystery at what God has done for us. Last Sunday, we sang, crown him with many crowns. Verse 2 says, crown him the Lord of love who triumphed o'er the grave. Behold his hands inside. Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. These wounds matter. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight. But downward bends their burning eye and mystery so bright. What Jesus did for us. I'm too often underwhelmed by. I take it for granted. The angels marveled at what he did for us. God said, well done, my son. The angels marvel. And we say, thank you. Thank you. Those wounds matter. Jesus said, peace be with you. And then he breathed on them because they were going to share the good news of the wounds of Jesus who has now risen and what that means. I don't know if you're struggling with a burden about something in your past or even your present and you think it's a deal breaker with you and God. I can, we can talk about how other people had a part in that. We can talk about God is so holy. We can talk about a lot of things. But I'll tell you where we come to peace when we look at his wounds. Why was Jesus crucified? And why in his glorified body, I'm thinking I'm going to have hair in my glorified body, by the way. I don't know how old I'm going to be. I don't know if uh, the wounds from working in the yard yesterday are going to be gone. Probably will. But why would the Lord still bear wounds? Those are tremendous news because they're for you. It reminds you that as the prophet said, he was pierced for our transgressions and when he was pierced, he was bearing our sin and it's been taken care of. Even the issue, if you have one right now, that is burdening you. It's been taken care of. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would go out and proclaim what? Forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. That's what brings us into peace with God. That's what opens us up to now live the, the kingdom life that he has called us to. We need to get going here. We've got to get to Thomas. Poor Thomas. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Why do you call him Doubting Thomas. You know, when Jesus said, I'm going back to Judea, this is before he raised Lazarus from the death, they said, why? No, bad idea, Lord. They want to stone you. We know that. It's trouble towards Judea. He says, we're going to go. And what does Thomas say in John chapter 11? He says, come on, you guys, let's go and die with him. Why don't we call him Thomas the loyal? Loyal Thomas. When Jesus was trying to comfort his disciples in John chapter 14, and we read this at at most funerals, in my Father's house are many mansions. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you and you know the way. And Thomas raises his hand. Jesus says, yes, Thomas. 
Um, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Good question. Why don't we call him Honest Thomas? Because he asked that question, we learn that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's really good. Thomas asked that question. Thomas was not bulletproof. He had walked with Jesus for three years. The enemy was having his way with Thomas. And the enemy's most powerful tool is doubt. Doubt is a blessing blocker in this life. It blocks the blessings that God has for us. Our blessings come from Jesus. And it's a gift. And they're ours by faith. Thomas is not just you know, scratching his head about what happened. He says, I will not believe. That's pretty strong. Unless I put my fingers where the nails were and my hand in his side. That must have been an awful week. What do you think for Thomas? You say, well, Pastor Jeff, this hasn't been the best week for me either. I'm, I'm struggling with doubt too. Jesus showed up. And I don't know the tone of his voice. I know that when Jesus ran into doubt with his disciples, it wasn't, oh, come on, you guys, it's going to be okay. They were in a storm on the lake, and they woke up Jesus and said, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus took a deep breath, and he got up, and he said to the wind and the waves, still be calm, and whoosh it all was. And they're saying, who is this man? And he looked at him, and he said, don't you guys have any faith? That's really compassionate. They were just scared out of their wits. He was speaking, just as Jesus said, peace with you, not as a wish, but as a gift. He said to Thomas, stop doubting. That's not a wish. That's a gift. Doubt is never our friend. Jesus knows what it, what it does to us. He said to Thomas, stop doubting and believe there's nothing more precious in this life than to be able to say with a humble heart, I don't understand everything. I'm growing in understanding, but I see through a glass darkly now. Someday I'm going to see clearly. But I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He's the Christ that was crucified for the sins of the world. And when we have struggles, that's where we go. We go and remember the words and the deeds of the crucified and risen one. And all of us have hope. That was for all of us. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. By the way, this is where you kind of merge into this story. Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. I know that God speaks through different ways. His primary way, his his." his most trustworthy way certainly is his word, but I have friends that have, you know, sensed through a dream or a vision that God is with them, and, and I get that. But Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I long to see Jesus. It's going to be amazing to see his face, to see his smile. Isn't that going to be awesome? My dad's been there about four or five years where Jesus is. <laughs> And I remember he was, he, my dad uh, died of uh, kidney cancer. And um, 
there was a moment when it looked like it was going to take him a few years in, and, and he got past that. In fact, it was so encouraging that his doctor said, hey, Ray, I would renew your golf membership if I were you. That was good news, okay? <laughs> but he said to me, you know, when that happened, I was a little disappointed because I was kind of getting ready to go, and I was really pumped about meeting the person Jesus. I thought, this is going to be something when I meet him. And I love Artie. That's my mom. And I love you guys. But I was really looking forward to meeting Jesus. <laughs> well, a few years later, he got to do that. We have not seen him. One day we will see him. Blessed are you who have not seen him yet and have believed. Do you realize that faith in Jesus is an incredible gift that God gives to any and all? You don't qualify for it. You humbly realize you need it. And he gives it to you. Okay, let's go towards the end. I think we saw kind of how Sue, in looking at Jesus on the cross, eventually was drawn to understand that those wounds are for her, right? This last part reminds me of Greg. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Who's you? Who's you? Is it you? Do we have this gift of the revelation of the, of the wounds of Jesus? All of us? Do we have the gift of hearing about this? Yes. It's not presumptive to say, huh, I think maybe he's talking about me. He is. He is. Not all of our stories are like Greg's where he was reading this account and found himself believing. But this is true. This is not a Bible study or a Bible story or a history lesson. It is God bringing to you the gift of knowing that Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world, and that includes you, that he rose again from the dead, that all who believe might know that they have eternal life. That includes you, and he's coming again to establish his rule and reign. And when you receive with a believing heart the truth about Jesus, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you can look forward to that with great expectation. And in the meantime, you can live now with assurance and peace and you can enjoy him, and you can suffer with him, and you can anticipate that one day you will be with him. So this morning, if maybe you've been, a lot of us have, have had some fear issues these days. May you receive from Jesus' words himself, peace be with you. Maybe you've had a little struggle just resting in what he's done for you. Doubt isn't that you don't know because you've heard the information about it. But you don't know that you trust the information about, it, about Jesus. Perhaps he's giving you the gift of challenging your doubt and inviting you to believe. That's him. That's his gift. And maybe today you needed to be reminded that this is personal. This is a conversation between God and you through his word. Why don't you take him at his word? 
Just believe him. Just believe him. See what he does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are pursuing God. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost, to come for us. Perhaps two of the most beautiful words in this whole story are those two words, Jesus came. (laughs) Jesus came. Lord, we pray that as you come, you would not pass us by, that we would sense you, that we would see you with eyes of faith, and that we would trust you as a child trusts. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for confronting doubt. We thank you that you're coming again. And this morning, Lord, thank you that we're together and that you are here. May you have your way in our hearts for the glory of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.